I'm a big proponent of looking at life as a series of seasons. Some are great, some are not, and some we wish we could just completely fast forward through. And then there are the seasons that we want to just shout from the rooftops and celebrate. Well, today I'm talking to one of my very best friends, Steffi Predmore. Steffi is a mom to sweet little Eden, and she has her own adoption advising business as well. I am so glad to have her here today to talk about her story and finding hope in the hard seasons. Hey, Steffi. Hello. All right. So I obviously know your story in and out. Pretty, pretty detailed. Uh, if, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can probably tell it almost as well as I can. Probably. But I'm going to let you do that. So can, <laughs> so can you tell everyone a little bit about your story and what led you to your first Mother's Day? Yeah. So as you've probably picked up by now, um, my journey to motherhood was long and a bit arduous. Um, My husband and I just celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary. And we have been trying to grow our family for the majority of that time. Um, It was pretty apparent early on that there was something not quite right and to make a pretty long story short um, I have endometriosis Um, I underwent three surgeries over the course of like six months in the first half of 2017 and then spent the second half of 2017 um, still not getting pregnant and trying to figure out why And um, we got to the end of that year. And to add some additional context here, my mother passed away from breast cancer on July 4th of 2017. So that was just some like extra stress and trauma and all of that stuff. Um, And we got to the end of that year. And um, because of what ultimately my body does, um, which is not like it'll form an egg and the follicle forms around the egg, but then the follicle never releases the egg. So if it's not releasing the egg, you can't get pregnant. And because of that, they were able to know pretty quickly after I was supposed to have ovulated whether or not I was pregnant, like more and more clearly that I wasn't because it had not released the egg. Um, and so I just very clearly remember it was, um, a couple weeks before Christmas of 2017 and we had done all of these trigger shots and we still had a few more cycles left of things to try and I got the call they'd done the ultrasound I got the call and they were like yeah you still formed um this unruptured follicle and like in that very instant I was like well I'm done I'm done not doing this anymore nope 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 um, and so at that point, um, I, we had been researching adoption for a while. I had been researching it for quite a while and doing some research into adoption professionals and all that kind of stuff um, because we kind of knew already that that was likely going to be the route that we would take if we could not get pregnant. 
And so we pivoted to adoption. And by early 2018, we were officially a waiting family. And between that point and January of this year, of 2020, we experienced three disrupted adoptions. And um, the last of which was in late January. And 17 days after the last one disrupted, we got a call. I was getting my nails done on a Saturday afternoon and I got a call and they said, there's a mama in labor in Wisconsin and they've chosen you. And we hopped in the car. Five hours later, we were in the delivery room as our daughter was born. And we have a really beautiful relationship with her birth family, and she's just such a joy. She's a joy. She is. She's perfect. Ugh, she, I just could just eat her up. I know. And her thighs are like, mm. oh, the best. They're so yummy. Oh, So little, delicious. Those little baby rolls. Oh, yeah. they're so good. Put some butter on that baby. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um... And for anyone who doesn't quite know the terminology, could you quickly just explain what a disrupted adoption is? Yeah. So traditionally, disrupted adoptions have been called failed adoptions. I don't love that term. I don't really I don't really like to use it because it has such a negative connotation. Um, but essentially, a disrupted adoption is where. An expectant mother has chosen you um, and she's considering this, you know, adoption plan and then she chooses to parent. And so that adoption adoption falls through um, or that, you know, potential placement falls through um, because I think what a lot of people don't really realize um, and I mean, we like knew it going in, but you don't really, it doesn't really hit home until you're like in it. Um, yeah. in those trenches that an expectant mother she really chooses adoption twice she chooses mm-hmm. you twice she she chooses you and she reads your profile and she decides that you are the family that she wants to um, have raise her the baby that she's expecting um, but then she again has to choose adoption when she's you know gets to the point of signing papers and any time between when she you know says this is the family that i want and signing those papers at any point in between there she can decide you know what i think i want to parent um and so that is um what happened three times for us yeah oh and every time was different too. Yes. It was it, which was yes. really interesting. You had three very different disrupted adoptions. We really um, did, yeah, yeah. And if you want to hear a lot more about those three disrupted adoptions, you can check out Steffi's podcast that she has with mm-hmm. her friend Megan, which is called "I'd Rather Stay In," which is basically my whole mood all the time. <laughs> um, I mean, right now we're forced to be staying in, but like in general, that's my, that's my usual mood. It's our mood forever. Yeah, it's my mood forever. Um, but she has an episode on there where she, where she talks about all of the disrupted adoptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but for each one, especially because they were so different, how did you and your husband, whose name is Alex, in case that comes up more, um, <laughs> 
how did you guys process each one? Because you guys are very different. Yes. And so I'm sure that there were things that you had to process separately, but Mm -hmm. also obviously you have to process together as a couple going through it. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think because we've been through so much in a relatively short time of being married in the, you know, in the term, in the realm of a lifetime, five years is not that long. Um, and we went through a lot in those first two to three years of our marriage. Um, my mom had cancer twice. Um, the, you know, obviously the second time the cancer was too much to beat. Um, his dad passed away shortly after that. My grandfather passed away shortly after that. We had the infertility and my surgeries and, you know, all of these things. And so we've been through more in five years of marriage than some people go through in 50. Um, and one of the biggest things I think for us in managing all of that it has been figuring out how we communicate and how we process things very, very differently. So mm-hmm. I am very much an outward processor. Um, I need to talk things to death. And Alex is very much an inward processor. He wants to sit and with his thoughts and mull things over for an eternity. Yeah. <laughs> before he can then like discuss them out loud and so it's it took a little bit to figure that out because I would go to him and I would be like trying to like process out loud and it he would be like I I can't like I just I would be driving him insane and the fact that he couldn't communicate with me yet was driving me insane and so figuring that out kind of let us you know how we're able to process really hard things and we do have to process things separately a little bit before we can come together and process them so uh, you know I hop on the phone with you or one of my other you know really good girlfriends and talk about things and talk about what happened and talk about my feelings and by the time I've sort of gone through my process of talking things to death and really sort of funneled in on where I am at he has usually gone through his like by himself internal processing. Mm -hmm. And then at that point we're able to come together and it just depends, you know, with these disruptions, we sort of like with each one, our rebound time in terms of being able to talk about it with each other was shorter each time. um, So that by the time we got to the third one, like there were still things about the, the third the third one that we hadn't processed when Eden was born right because it was so short afterwards and it was so sudden um but we had we had already started to sort of have that you know coming together and processing and discussing things a little bit um but you know it's really it, it came down to you know giving each other the space to do you know and process in our own ways and then you know be able to come together and you know I so our second disruption um, we actually had the baby home for a few days before his mama decided that she wanted to parent um, and so we had to you know take him back to her and that was really really hard um, but then 
a few weeks later, she and I had had developed a really close relationship. And a few weeks later, I was just really missing her. And I reached out and said, like, hey, do you want to be friends? And, you know, again, long story short, he's now our godson. He's and so cute. He's so, oh my God, he is such a dumpling. He's so cute. And he just turned one. He did just turn one. Oh, Aww. I cannot believe it. Um, I know. And he's like, he's like as big as my, as my daughter, oh. Charlie, maybe bigger. Easily. Yeah. Easily. He's like the size of some two-year-olds. He's, he's yeah. a monster. He has been from like the minute he was born and he's, it's insane. Oh, and yeah. he had like surpassed his birth weight by his first pediatrician visit out of the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Um, but, you know, I know at first Alex thought I was crazy and he didn't totally understand that for me, talking to Faith was really, it was healing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And he knew that I was getting, you know, pictures of him and videos of him. And, you know, you know, we were talking pretty much every day. Um, But he, it took him another couple months after that to be really ready to talk about him. Yeah. And be able to see pictures of him. And eventually, like, last fall, Faith and the baby actually came and they stayed at our house for a few weeks Mm -hmm. and we all spent time together. And um, so, you know, Alex did get to the point of like being able to be a part of that relationship. Um, And he super loves both of them. Um, But it just, it took him a little bit longer and I just had to respect that he couldn't see pictures or videos or anything like that yet. Like he just needed that time to continue to process and that, what I was doing was healing for me and that what he was doing was, was working towards healing himself. Yeah. And I just love, I love how much intention you both put into learning how the other person processed. And like, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't an easy road to learn that you have such an incredible relationship and it's you, I mean, I love both of you so much. Well, all three of you. <laughs> I love all three of you so much. And the animals. And the, I know. And the animals. A whole, we're a whole zoo at our house. <laughs> it is. It is. But it is, int- I mean, it's it's been interesting being so close to you, well, since college, but mm-hmm. especially over the last few years, and watching you guys go through this, um, especially after your mom passed away, yeah. because typically your mom is someone who you would talk to about all of this and process with. And for, I mean, I know none of you almost have, will have met Steffi's mom, but she was awesome. And this is a clean podcast, but like, I would say other words because she's, (laughs) because she was that awesome. Um, So, for those of us as friends of yours who were, you know, watching you guys go through this, I know at first I truly didn't even know what to say mm-hmm. almost because by 2017, um, you know, after your mom passed away in 2018, in the in early 2018 was your first disrupted adoption. Mm-hmm. And so Henry was always, was already two at that point. Um and I would just was, even though I know people on all sides of the triad, the adoption triad, I had never been so intimately 
connected with Mm -hmm. someone on this side of it. Yeah. And so it took a long time to really learn how to support you in the best Mm -hmm. way. Um, And so for anyone else that's listening, what is something that you would recommend them do just in terms of support? Because I know sometimes people are almost afraid when when anyone goes through anything tough, whether it be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a loss of a, of a loved one or, you know, infertility, miscarriage, adoption, you know, depression, anything that's really tough. Sometimes right. people back away and don't right. say anything because they don't know what to say. Right. And so my question to you is, what advice would you give people like how on how to support someone going through this specific type of journey yeah well you know I think and I I do think you're right that people don't know what to say when someone they love is hurting Um, and I think the biggest thing to learn is that there is nothing you can say right yeah there is nothing anyone can say that makes losing my mom better right here there's nothing anyone could have said to me when I was going through all of our infertility stuff that would have made me feel less crappy yeah there is nothing that anyone can say could say when we were going through our disruptions that made those less painful Mm -hmm. um and you know people want to you know especially i think when you're going through infertility stuff um you know people have a lot of platitudes oh it'll happen when it happens and when it's meant to be blah 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 blah. and you just are like all right take a shot someone else told me that it'll happen when it happens you know like that kind of thing um or just relax Oh my goodness. If I had a dollar for every time someone told me just relax and I would get pregnant, I could have funded my entire adoption. Um, (laughs) It's insane when people say that. Um, And so I think the big lesson is like, you can't say anything that's going to make it better. Like if you Mm -hmm. have gone through exactly what that person is going through, then you probably have some understanding and you may have some words of wisdom for them. But if you haven't, don't don't try to say things that you think are going to make them feel better. Just like be there. Just be right. there. Show up with a bottle of wine. Show up with a carton of ice cream. Yeah. Um, you know, snuggle up on the couch and watch a movie with them. Let them mm-hmm. cry on your shoulder. FaceTime them. Like whatever it, that it looks like for your relationship. Um, just be there and don't feel like you have to say anything other than I'm so sorry and I love you yeah um so that's like sort of my just my general advice if you have someone that you love that's going through some really hard stuff like don't don't try to give advice right just love them and say I know it hurts and I'm so sorry because sometimes you do you just like you don't want people to try to like minimize your hurt it right sometimes it actually helps when someone's like this is so it sucks sucks so bad and i'm so sorry like sometimes you're like yeah it does (laughs) yeah i'm you you did that for me i mean when i was trying to get pregnant with char well pregnant i ended up getting pregnant with charlie but it took a little while and i remember you saying 
like it's okay just like this it does suck and yeah. even even when i got pregnant with her and i was nauseous and like so grateful to be pregnant um but it was you who really gave me the permission to say like you can be grateful but also this sucks yes like right you know and we could feel more than one feeling at the same time. Like, right. We are complex we are, creatures. It's... I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we're friends. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, rem- I, going back to the third disrupted adoption, um, I was in a really unique position mm-hmm. where I was with you when you got that call. Yeah. I, because I had uh, flown to meet... Steffi and Alex and the baby. Um, and we were watching a movie in my hotel room when you got that call. And, you know, your hotel room was next door and you went and told Alex and I sat there for like a half an hour and I, and, or an hour, I think I told you I was going to give you an hour. And then I started knocking on your door. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I remember kind of telling myself like okay Kathleen you're the only one here like this is on you what do you do and I went into your room and after crying and saying how sorry I was Mm -hmm. and that I loved both of you I said we're getting dinner yes here are your options we can get takeout we can go someplace or I can go get something and bring it back here. Yeah. But you guys are eating tonight. Yes. And, and that was that. And at that, at that moment I was like, I, I don't know how else to support them other than they're going to need to eat. Because right. also I knew you had a very long drive ahead of you the next day. Right. Home. I was like, they, they're going to need to eat. Yeah. And, and honestly, like yeah. that was the most helpful thing you could have done. You put, yeah. you, you also took all of the baby stuff from the backseat of the car and you put it in the trunk. So we didn't even have to touch it or look at it. Yep. And which was so helpful. And you forced us to eat. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> you made us like, which then forced us to like, okay, actually let's get out of the hotel room. And like, cause if it had just been us, yeah. we would have just sat in that room feeling sorry for ourselves until like nine o'clock and then we would have been starving and then we would have just eaten junk food and then we would have felt even like grosser like it just all would have spiraled and just Mm -hmm. having someone that was like i'm bringing you food like this is what's happening i'm doing this or like whatever it is um sometimes those are the really like most helpful things that you can do for someone when they're just devastated yeah for sure but i also it also took I think it takes anybody a long time to like figure out how to support someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's more of a society thing. Cause I think for so long we've been told, you know, all these things about how to support people. And like a lot right. of them are wrong, you know, yeah. like all these things that people say are not helpful um, no matter what you're going through. And mm-hmm. so I think it's, it takes all of us shifting our mentality to not only what do these specific people need, but also, you know, there's nothing you can say, like you said, there's nothing you can say to make this better other than saying, I'm sorry. And it sucks. Mm -hmm. And I told both of, I told you both of those things before Mm -hmm. I flew out 
the next morning. And I also told you a third thing, <laughs> if you if you remember correctly. <laughs> what did I say? What did um, I say, Steffi? Was it about what? Was it about your prediction of what was? Of course, it was. Yeah. So of course, it was. Kathleen has said had said from the time the first one disrupted, she was like, "I just have a feeling that you're gonna have less than 24 hours notice for your baby." And the 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 second two um, matches, we had like a month and then two months, and then with Eden, <laughs> we had five hours. <laughs> That's right. And Kathleen was like, I told you so. Okay. I <laughs> well, did you w- didn't say I told you so until all the papers were signed. But that you were like, correct. if yep. this happens, I'm never letting you forget that I told you so. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is correct. That is correct. It took two years, but my gut instinct was right. <laughs> two years later. Yeah. It was pretty wild. Not going to lie. It was. I know. Well, you had all the baby stuff because after because once you found out about the first hopeful right. adoption, you had a baby shower. You started to get the nursery ready. You had all the essentials, right? And you know you've collected things. The nursery is so freaking cute. I can't even tell you. And actually, I can because there will be pictures of it attached <laughs> to this post because I took them. But you know your your nursery was ready yeah. and. So I just had this feeling like you're just going to get a call and that's going to be it. And you're not going to have any notice and it's going to be great. And <laughs> so it was wild. It was wild. It was and the it, most wild thing I've yeah. ever experienced in my entire life. Well, Steffi only FaceTimes me without notice, you know, without say, without texting ahead of time saying like, hey, you want to FaceTime or whatever. Right. She will only spontaneously FaceTime me if there is a baby like a mama has chosen them there's like big things happening big things there has to be a big thing happening for me to spontaneously facetime and and i got this facetime from steffi after having talked to her earlier in the day mind you yeah and it i kid you not it looked like a scene out of the blair witch project (laughs) because you were you had the camera facing you and you were running around the house so fast. And I was like going to have a seizure from looking at the background. Uh, yeah. Cause we were you're... like trying to pack. Yep. Like luckily it was so close to the third one that we actually hadn't unpacked any of the baby stuff from the trunk. Yeah. So it was just our suitcase that we had to pack. But like, yeah. I didn't ha- really have clean laundry. I was like, what do I, how do I dress myself? I forgot bras. I was wearing like, did a you really? Yeah. I was wearing a sports bra like that particular day. I forgot to pack any other bras. I had to go to Target and like buy some like more sports bras or what? Because of course I have a weird bra size that Target doesn't carry. So I just had to like buy a bunch of sports bras at Target <laughs> and to get through the like week that we were in Wisconsin. Because I, I yeah. literally was like, oh well, I did forget something. I forgot my bras. Like it was just, I, I you know, and I'm trying to process like. This mother is literally in labor. Oh yeah, right now we're two yes. and a half hours away. Like, yeah. we weren't sure like if we were gonna make it. Like, at what point we were gonna make it? We weren't sure. Like, we knew they wanted us at the hospital, but like, didn't know if they wanted us into the delivery room. Like, any of those things, you just like, it was hap- it happened so fast. Right, there was and no those... time to know any of that stuff, and so we're just like, yeah. what is happening? <laughs> 
Well, because those are all things that, you know, you would usually talk about with right. an expectant mama after they've chosen you, but before the baby's born. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were on a text thread. There were three of us, you, me, and our other friend, uh, Addie. We were on the text thread. And you were just sending us details, like, as they came. And you, I remember, you went silent for a little while. And Addie and I were texting on the side, like, all right, is is the baby born? What's happening? <laughs> like, were they there? And because... When did you walk into the deliver into the room? So it was so wild. We so I got we got the call at three thirty nine p.m. We got on the road like right at six o'clock. Um, it was the GPS said it was like two and a half hours. We got so we were supposed to have gotten there like eight thirty. We ended up getting there like eight fifteen. We pull into the parking lot, and I had been texting with Eden's birth mama. And I knew that she wasn't like super far along um, because she hadn't gotten her epidural. And so we get into the parking lot at 8.15 and I text her. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're down here. Like, you know, do you still want us to come up? And she was like, I'm about to push. That would be great. And I looked at Alex and I was like, what? (laughs) So we like run up. And of course, like on the way up, my husband is like, oh, I have to pee. And I'm like, (laughs) this baby is about to be born. What are you doing? Hold it. And he did not. He went to pee. And so we like run into that room. Like, you know, it's probably 825 by the time we like get up in there. And she was born at 852. Like, I mean, we literally walk in there. There's nothing breaks the ice with a stranger, like walking into a room when they are about to push a human out of their body. Yep. And, you know, this is our first time meeting this couple. And, you know, like, we're walking into not only, like, a super just emotional situation, but we're walking into, you know, there's a nurse, like, holding this baby into and her yeah. body until the doctor can get there like it was just it was wild and so yeah like we got there I th- and I like threw I remember I like threw my purse down on the little couch thing yeah. and then like we, and then we ended up on like the other side of the bed like behind mm-hmm. her head and yeah. so my phone was like across the room and I had my I had my watch on and so I was able to send you like a couple of things just like writing it on my watch or whatever um oh. but I was like my phone is all the way across there I can't give anyone an update but also that's okay because I really want to be in this moment but also oh my gosh and like family feud was like on the tv <laughs> and I like just desperately wanted to like tell someone that family feud was on the tv because it was so yeah. weird and like these are all things we've discussed <laughs> since then with her yeah. birth family of like man that was wild like why was family feud on the tv uh but it was just like I'm, yeah. all of these things happening so it was <laughs> it was truly one of the it was the most insane day of my life it oh was crazy. absolutely yeah i would uh, yeah i mean I, I don't know how it wouldn't be the craziest wildest yeah. day of your life yeah but it also was so special because not only was it that you got to witness the birth of your daughter, but also mm-hmm. with the other two, with the second and third disrupted adoptions, you know, where you met the baby and mm-hmm. the parents, um, you didn't, you know, you weren't there for the birth. You were yeah. there at the hospital. For you both saw... of those, they had yeah. wanted us in the delivery room 
and, and they came quick. Yeah. yeah, and we missed both of those. And we were there just in time for Eden's birth. And they asked Alex to cut the cord, and they asked me to do skin to skin right away. And, you know, we got to have those special moments and also share those, you know, with her first parents. And um, it was the most special, special experience of my life. I I, I remember crying a lot over those <laughs> for those couple days. Yes, it was yep. a lot of it was a lot of crying. Yes, a lot of crying. Um, yeah, it's just it's the best, the best birth story I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty great. It, it's it's really great, and as, I mean, I know that we talked a little bit about. A, processing those other disrupted adoptions mm-hmm. and you know the between the third one and Eden you didn't really have a lot of time right. but how did you guys hold on to hope through all that um it would be really disingenuous for me to pretend like I did sometimes <laughs> um there was a lot of time where I was not able to hope Um, and that's where like you and Addie and my other friends and family, like they held hope for us. And because, and like, there were times when you said, like, I know that you can't, you are not capable of holding hope for yourself right now. I will hold it for you. Yeah. Um, until you're able to again. And there, cause there's just times where you're just so you feel defeated and completely depleted of all of your emotional energy and but you also know like okay I've put a lot of money into this right and we don't really have any other options and you know what else am I gonna do besides keep going like okay we'll put our profile back up and try again you know I know I don't know how much more we can take but you know I guess we'll try at least one more time and you know but having other people who I knew were holding hope for us helped a lot. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Well, I'm just glad that after the last disrupted adoption, you did not have to wait very long. No. Or <laughs> I was back even... at work for one week because I, yeah. I took like the week after that off of work just to spend with myself really and um I spent the week like crafting and you know stuff like that and you you crafted a lot crafted a lot and uh I so I was back at work for five days (laughs) and then I was like hey guys so (laughs) about that uh this thing happened on Saturday and uh yeah I'm gonna be starting maternity leave (laughs) yeah (laughs) oops <laughs> uh, and it was so before I get to the next question I just have to say like after everything that you guys went through to have you guys be able to surprise some of your family and friends really with fun. Eden was one of my favorite things of yeah. all time it was really fun yeah because we so we told 
our parents because <laughs> the night she was born, we were supposed to have been at my dad's for dinner. <laughs> so I had to call and be like, so we're not coming <laughs> to dinner. Here's the change of plans. We need you to come pick up the dogs, like blah, blah, blah. So we told uh, my dad and his wife and Alex's parents, but we asked them not to tell any of like Alex's siblings or any of the grandparents or anything like that. Um, and then just a couple of friends knew um, until she was born. And then we, you know, slowly told, you know, like work knew. Um, but then when we got home from Wisconsin a week later, um, we started telling a few more people. Uh, like we had like one of my girlfriends lives down the street. And I like texted her and I was like, hey, can you like swing by the house? I've got something for you. And like I have, her reaction was amazing. I have it on, I had, I, I videoed it. Um, and she like walked in. And she's like, what? Who's baby is that? There were, there were a lot of, a lot of f bombs yes, that were dropped. There were, and she was like, oh my god, you know. And then like I, it's funny because the minute I like stopped the camera, she like, because she like jumped up and down. She's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then like. She stopped jumping or whatever, and I turned off the camera, and then she, like, literally buried her face in her hands and burst into tears. It was like oh. a cartoon. It was, it was really, it was so sweet, but very funny. Um, and so it was, we had, and, like, we, Alex's parents had his brothers and our nieces and nephews and, you know, why, and their wives and stuff over for dinner, but didn't tell them that we were going to be there with hadn't told them about the baby and so they all walked in to my in-laws house and we were there with the baby and um one of my sister's-in-law had she was like oh my god like she saw the car seat base in our car oh and she came sprinting up the walk like i've never (laughs) seen her move so fast and she was like oh my god and so you know and i got that on camera and so and that was really fun to send to eden's birth parents um like they really loved seeing those yeah um and you know they, they've said that they really treasured you know seeing seeing those videos and those reactions and stuff like that and so it was super super fun for us and but then it also um just made them feel really good about you know the decision that they had made and you know the family that they had chosen and all that stuff so yeah because she is the most loved little girl. Yeah. She sure most is. Most loved little girl. Yeah. I'll never forget. Because I flew. I, I I've had always told Steffi I was going to take pictures whenever they got a baby. <laughs> and the timing was insane. Because she was born on February 8th. And I flew to see you in Illinois. Uh two weeks later Mm -hmm. and it was the most amazing weekend and we got lots and lots of pictures and it was fun to send those to her birth parents as well but there was an event that Steffi was supposed to emcee at our alma mater Mm -hmm. that night that I got into Illinois and Steffi lives a couple blocks away from the alma mater and so I was sitting in the back with Eden just you know snuggling getting my newborn smells yep newborn smell fix in and people kept coming up and saying oh how old is your baby 
because she was itty bitty so tiny and and i was like oh she's not mine and i they're like well whose is she and i would point to steffi and because everyone at our alma mater you know within this group of women knew steffi and knew what she had gone through every single person was like floored (laughs) just like jumping up and down they're like what (laughs) are you kidding me and i was like nope she's not mine (laughs) yeah that was really fun that was it was really fun and it yeah it was it was a really fun night and weekend yeah it was a really good weekend yeah and then just like three weeks later we all got locked in our houses forever (laughs) So it's good timing. So it was very good timing because the other option for me to fly in would have been the weekend of March 18th, which is like not have happened. That would not have happened because that was like the the next day our governor. I live in California and our governor was like, nope, you guys ain't leaving. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah. So. All right. Switching gears a little bit. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson you learned throughout your adoption journey? Mm. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I learned was um, compassion and grace for expectant parents and birth parents um, and just learning how to love them well and you know learning how to say no baby is ours until the papers are signed and the law Mm -hmm. says that this baby is ours and but in the meantime while we are a part of this mother's life whether that is for a short time or for the rest of our lives we can love her and, you know, show her kindness and love and support her. And maybe she hasn't had those things in her life before. And, um, but that's something that we, you know, I, th- I think Alex and I are pretty good at loving people. You and are. so, um, you know, I think that was one of the biggest things um, throughout the couple of years that we were waiting. Um, I think that's the biggest thing you know, that I, I really learned how to do. Um, and just the, you know, the, every side of the triad walks a really different journey and, um, it's adoption comes with a lot of loss, but there can be a lot of, there can be redemption in the brokenness. Um, but we also can't ignore, we can't ignore the brokenness either. We can't only look at the like happy sides of adoption we have to look at the full picture in order to support our children in the best possible way yeah that makes sense So while you were going through this journey and learning all of this, what role did your community, you know, friends and family play 
because, you know, they say it takes a village, which I absolutely believe. But how did your village change, you know, mm-hmm. throughout your journey from, you know, the, the time you yeah. got listed as a waiting family to the time you brought Eden home? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is that in that period of time, I made friends in the adoption community. Um, okay. And I like I have a few birth mamas that I have become really close to. Um, and there's a couple of adoptees I've become close to and a couple of fellow adoptive mamas that I'm close to. And so like over the course of particularly like the last couple of, um, matches, Mm -hmm. like, you know, being able to talk to people that, like really get it because either they've been in the situation like they've been through you know matches and disruptions or whatever or you know their birth mamas and so they've you know been in those in those places of you know choosing adoption for their children and mm-hmm. um you know having them sit with me as you know, we're going through, you know, sometimes really heartbreaking things and having them say like, it's like, you can, it's okay to, for you to be sad and to be grieving this. Like you just went through something really hard. Um, Like you can be, you can support this mama who decided to parent and also, you know, be heartbroken. Like those, those things can go coexist and, you know, talking to them through that and, you know, having, you know, some adoptive mamas that I was able to, you know, text with who had been, you know, in situations either similar to what we were going through or, you know, that had brought their babies home. And so knew what that was like. And, you know, just like not having, it's like, it's like people where you don't have to explain things. Like they just know, like, it's almost like there's, there's almost like a lingo, you know, you're like, okay, so when does consent sign? Like, what does TPR look like? Like, like there's things that you say that like, if I said it to a normal person, they'd be like, what does that mean? Like, if I say that, if I say the ICPC to anyone outside of adoption, they're like, what does that mean? Yeah. For context, it is the interstate compact for the placement of children. And it happens with interstate adoptions. Um, So basically, once the um, birth parents sign their consent, then both states have to sign off on the adoption paperwork so that you can leave the birth state, go to your home state and not be a child trafficker. Important things. Very, very important. Very important things. Extremely important things. But like anyone outside of the triad like they're like why are you in this other state like why can't you come home like you have to explain that whereas like you know when you're talking to someone who is part of the adoption community like they're you know they're, they'll say like oh where are you staying during icpc or yeah oh you know how long does that typically take in this like there's just stuff that you just don't you don't have to explain. It's just like, which is nice. It is no nice. matter what, no matter what situation you're in. Exactly, you know? exactly. And so you know that was definitely like a really big, a big way that my little community and my support system like grew. Yeah. Um, you know from from a whole bunch of people who love us and support us in our right. everyday lives already, and you know so wanted us to see us wanted to see us become parents. Um, 
and to then also include these really wonderful friends on all sides of the triad um, who, you know, are just, you know, wonderful people that I, I consider, like, real friends. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I'm so thankful that you have all of those people in your life because it helps you so much mm-hmm. as the adoptive mama and adoptive parents to have people who get it mm-hmm. on all sides. Yeah. Um, but it's also been so helpful for your friends and family who aren't a direct part of the triad also. Yes. And, yeah. you know, over the course of the last two, almost two and a half years, you know, you have done such a good job educating all of your friends and family about adoption and the lingo. And, you know, by the time you got to Eden, you know, when you said to us, you know, we're staying at an Airbnb during ICPC, it should clear by Friday or whatever it was. Um, it made a lot more sense. Because, right. <laughs> because you knew what the heck I was talking because about. Because we knew what you were talking about. And so while we will never know, you know, what it's like, at least at this point, you know, none, the rest of us have not been on any of the sides of the triad, but your work in educating has changed all of us. And so I just have to ask you, you know, why is it so important for everyone to educate themselves about adoption, whether they know someone in the triad directly or not? Um, well, the truest answer is because they probably do know someone in the triad, even if they don't mm-hmm. realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I I would be willing to bet good money that most people know someone um, who is, you know, either an adoptive parent, an adoptee, or a birth parent. Yeah. W- whether that person has shared that information or not. Um, because, you know, I mean, I feel like if I feel for the most part, if you know an adoptive parent, that is probably the side of the triad you're most likely to know about. Yeah. Um, but even still, like, not like our our daughter is white um so it's not going to be immediately apparent upon meeting people that she is adopted and it's not necessarily an important piece of information for just like people in the grocery store to know right right um and you know there are adoptees who just they may just not talk about their adoption um and that just it just might not be something that they share with very many people and yeah. there may there may be birth parents who have you know that the, again that is it's not a part of their life that they talk about or they share mm-hmm. um and so you know i i think it's important to learn about adoption you know, if nothing else, learning adoption-friendly language, yep. learning not to say things like, ugh, my kids have been a real pain today. Maybe I'll go put them up for adoption. Yep. Um, learning, you know, like ch- learning to change things just in your normal everyday language um, at the very minimum because you just never know who in your life, whether it's a coworker 
or you know someone that you you know meet at a friend's birthday party or whatever it is that might be connected to adoption and just learning to be kind with our words and empathetic I think can go a long way um and then you know anything else that you're taking the time to learn about from there is is icing on the cake really yeah that's it's that's so true I think that the language is it's and again it's like it's things that have been ingrained in society over the last yes however forever yes it's I just really think it's so important to change our language yeah. you know whether it be about adoption or even infertility yeah. um i also know that you are the very last person i ever asked when are you having a baby <laughs> yeah. you had been married and we got lunch in oak park mm-hmm. i think that's where you were living at the time mm-hmm. and henry was i don't know Tiny. Five, six, he was like, he was, or three months old, maybe. Yeah, he was I think little. he was like three months old. He was tiny. Yeah, and I said, so like, when are you thinking about having? You looked me dead in the eyes and said, "We've been trying since November," and at that point, it was like about six months. It was this moment of like, and I will never be asking that question again. Like, yeah. and. I don't even think you knew about all the endometriosis at that point. Right. Yeah. At that um, point, I couldn't get any doctors to, like, take me seriously yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Parents, right. But we also don't know the struggles that they're having, whether exactly. it be with that or adoption or anything else unrelated to pregnancy or parenthood. Right. You just don't know what other people are walking through. Exactly. So. Exactly. Language is important, guys. And you'll probably mess up. And that's okay. Yeah. And when you learn, when you know better, you can do better. And so when you learn better and you know better, then go do better. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen, friend. Uh, But let's, let's end after all talking about all the, all the adoption stuff. Let us talk about the joys of motherhood. Yes. Yay. So... I have to know first, what is your favorite part of being a new mama? Um, it sounds like it, uh, I feel like to say all of it sounds like, I mean, cause I, yeah, I, I don't love the fact that I have a spitty child and all of my clothes are constant. Everything I own is, is covered in a, li- a fine layer of spit up all the time. Like, and that's not really very fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> But there is, I think, especially when you've been trying for this for so long um, and you've been working towards having a family for, you know, four and a half years or, you know, anytime you it's something that you're really working towards and having to like really do, there is a sort of a layer of like you appreciate all the little moments yeah, more like, you know, I don't love getting up in the middle of the night, but also when she is going falling back asleep on my shoulder and I can Mm -hmm. just smell her head like you know those are things that I desperately desperately was hoping for and so I it's pretty like the whole experience I just love it I love seeing her learn new things and figure out new things and um I just love smelling her head. Like, 
<laughs> they need to figure out how to bottle that. Seriously, it just smells so good. And, yeah. you know, her little chunky baby rolls and uh, I don't know. It's just, I just, I love, we'll say 95% of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. And yeah. it makes me so happy. Yeah. And the, mid- the middle of the night stuff is not the most fun, but it is really special. It is. It is. Because yeah. it's like, you know, you guys are the only ones awake, like, mm-hmm. in, it feels like in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a great time. It is. But, and you get to smell them. Yeah. Which is obviously a plus. It really is. So, in all of it, I mean, we'll just call it all of it. We'll call it almost all of it for your favorite part. Mm-hmm. But... Is there something about being a mom that's really surprised you? Um, you know, I, I had this moment when you were here, and we talked about it at dinner. Um, yeah. But I, I had the first couple of weeks, I had this, like, it was almost like imposter syndrome. Because... I had, like, I felt like her mother, but I was like, does she know I'm her mother? I didn't give birth to her. Does she, like, does she know? Yeah. And you were taking photos, and we were trying for, like, 11,000 hours to get her into, (laughs) she was so stubborn, to get her asleep and get her into this cute little position, and she started crying, and I just, like, instinctively just got down like over her mm-hmm. and like shushed her and patted her and she calmed down. And then that night at dinner, like we were talking about this and I was like, you know, saying like, I feel like I have this like imposter syndrome. Like, I, does she know I'm your, her mother? And you were like, no one besides you could have calmed her down the way that you did today. Yeah. Like, I remember that. Yeah. And, It was this, like, light bulb moment for me. And that, you know, it was just like, oh, like, okay. You know, and kind of from that moment, I was like, okay, she does. She knows. And, like, I, you know, can see when I'm feeding her. And, you know, she's watching me. And, you know, just those, like, moments of you know like their brains are still making all of these connections right like just the way that she looks at me of like i see you and i I know that you're my mother yeah oh so i remember saying that to you and like crying while i was saying it (laughs) we were just all at the restaurant at dinner (laughs) sure they thought we were like why are those three crazy ladies crying (laughs) yeah well thankfully your husband works there so that was a little so they already know that i'm a loon anyway so yeah but i i I do remember telling you that but you never told me that that was like the moment that kind of shifted your mindset yeah i mean it really did like i needed that i just i needed that reminder of like you couldn't have done that and addy couldn't have done that like i was the only one that could have done that for her yeah yeah 
which is so sweet. Yeah. And she was so stubborn. Oh, shit. I, this girl is strong-willed. I am going to... Oh, yeah. I'm going to raise a strong-willed girl. I think it is karma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mother is in heaven laughing. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah, she is. Julie's just having a good giggle up in heaven. She is, but she's she's having a giggle and a glass of iced tea and is beaming yes. at the same time. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I hope the answer is not all of them for this next question. <laughs> I'm going to need a little bit more specificity. Okay. But what milestone or milestones, I'll give you plural. Okay. But just not all of Edie's are you most excited for? She's so close to giggling. She's so close to giggling. I've like figured out this in the last couple of days. She has this like kind of like ticklish spot. And if I like kind of like get right under a little booty and I, I, you know, kind of tickle right under there, like she thinks it's hysterical and she's so close to giggling and I cannot wait (gasps) to hear her giggle. Like, I think I'll just like explode into a million little tiny pieces that oh i can't wait to see videos that is that's the next one that i'm most excited for (laughs) that's fair that's a good one and then i'm sure i'll have another one after that (laughs) yeah well giggling's a big one you know baby giggles oh they're just so cute they are so cute yeah i know i can't i i can't wait until like she walks which i know you i know is a long way away and like don't worry you've got time like she's still she's still like a baby But walking is fun. And I, like, selfishly, so she gave Alex her first smile, but he hasn't figured out the, like, tickling thing yet. Oh, like, yeah, don't tell he, him yet. He, I, like, I told him, but he can't do it quite right. And so yeah. I'm, like, hoping, she, you know, she gave him her first smile that she'll give me her first giggle. <laughs> That's fair. Or if, if nothing else, hopefully she'll say, she'll say mama before she says dada. One can only hope. One, <laughs> one can only hope. I'm not going to tell you... To, like, hold your breath on that. Cause no, Ds are easier than Ms for them they to are. figure out, so. <laughs> they are. They are. But, you know. But we can hope. It's, yeah. <laughs> we can hope. All right. So, this has been an awesome conversation. But before yeah. we go, I have to ask you to describe your ideal cozy day for us. Yeah. So, I was thinking about this. And... The way that Alex and I have traditionally spent Christmas Day up to this point, obviously Christmases are going to look a little different for us moving forward, but um, the way that we have traditionally spent Christmas Day the last several years um, is sort of my, I think it is sort of my ideal cozy day. We, you know, sleep in and stay in our PJs all day and we just spend the day watching movies and drinking mimosas and eating snacks, like cuddled up on the couch with the dogs. And it's just a really, you know, taking some naps. There's a lot of napping and snacking and cheese and dog snuggles. And that's just like really my ideal day is like not going anywhere, not getting out of my pajamas. I'm cozied up on the couch with my family. We're eating snacks you know, like everyone's just all snuggled in. Like that is the ideal 
not just cozy day, but just like ideal, ideal day for me. <laughs> yeah, this is like my ideal life. Well, I mean, you know, coziness is all about just like a state of mind. You yeah. know, it doesn't doesn't have to be blankets and couches. Totally. Even though I would definitely include some of that in my ideal cozy day. Right. Like, because I know for some people, like, they want to, they would like, oh, I'd go for a walk and da da da. Like, no, I don't want to leave my house. Yeah. <laughs> my when ideal I... life is yeah. to be in my house. Under your gravity blanket. Under my gravity blanket. Yep. You know, snuggled up with my baby and my dogs and my cats and yeah. my husband and just, you know, like. Oh, yeah. That's just, that's my, that's it. Yeah. It's funny because Whitney, uh, she said that part of her ideal cozy day would be to start the day by running a 5K. Bless her heart. <laughs> I love her, but bless her I heart. I know. I love her so much. <laughs> but it was, it was just such a testament to like everyone's totally definition of cozy is so different and yes. so perfect, you mm-hmm. know, because... It was, and it was, and like her day, her whole day sounded wonderful. Like it was like, you know, the perfect yeah. weather, like sunny, but not too hot. And she got to paint and right. all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I just, that's why I love hearing everyone's ideal cozy day, because I think that it's important for everyone to hear that coziness is about wellness and not right. just, you know, blankets and not just being like the laziest human on earth. Correct, which is fun sometimes. <laughs> it's just I. So I'm a. I am a type one. I mean, I can't believe we haven't talked about the enneagram this entire That's time. Shocking. It is pretty shocking. Um, I very. I almost mentioned it earlier. Um, but I am an enneagram one, mo- and mostly a wing two. But like, I have my nine moments where like, and like my love for naps and just like snuggling up on the couch and like yeah. not doing a dang thing. That is, like, my nine coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Wow, I can't... Yeah, that's shocking we didn't talk about the Enneagram. It is shocking. It is shocking. I did mention at one point that in the podcast, not this episode, but I think one of my first ones, that I was an Enneagram too. I think. Steffi likes to say that I can go to the dark side when I have my, okay. my eight moments. Well, okay. So my husband is an eight, which is why it's like extra funny to me because I know what eights are like. And so when twos are in stress, they take on the less awesome aspects of an eight. And so you have, when you get stressed out, you do these things that Alex does (laughs) that I'm like, "Mm -hmm, okay. And so (laughs) it actually, and this is actually why I love the Enneagram because like, I know like, I know that is your pattern. Right. And so instead of getting, like, frustrated that you're acting like my husband, <laughs> I'm like, I know, like, okay, she's stressed out. And so yeah. her brain is sending her into this other place. And so, like, it's easier for me to be like, okay, like, let's take a step back, like, whatever. Or, like, she just needs, like an hour and then she'll come back and she'll be like, Oh wait, that wasn't so bad after all. Or like whatever it is. So it helps you not just understand yourself better, but it really helps you understand the people around you better. So. Yeah. I mean, and that's even when this is like not talking about adoption or motherhood, but it's still valid and it's still important. I, uh, when you were talking about something that had to do with work recently and, 
as soon as you typed it, I was like, and her type one is out in full force. Right. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is a type one's worst nightmare right now. Mm-hmm. And because it is, it is helpful to understand how other people. Right. Because you knew why I was important. frustrated with whatever yes. was going on because, you know, like, okay, this is how her brain works. Like, these are the things that she values really heavily. And the fact that this is happening is going against all of that, like, blah, blah, blah. So, right. That's why I think that everyone needs to take the test because I think so too. it's not, I mean, it might not be perfect, but it is pretty, pretty darn close. And, you know, it's just, I think it'll just help everybody in all their relationships. Agreed. So fun. I love Enneagram. Ugh. But Steffi, I just have to say how happy I am for you guys. How much joy, like what a joy it is to see all of your Instagram posts. Like I looked at your Instagram earlier today and... Every single post, basically, is Eden or you and Eden. (laughs) And, like, I mean, you post about a lot of different things, but it's always pictures of Eden now. And it's just so wonderful to see because she's so cute. She's really cute. So, like, give us all the pictures of her. Extremely biased, but she's really cute. She's really Your little girl has the best parents, and I say that as the four of you. Yeah. You two, you and Alex, and her birth parents. Yeah. You are all amazing and funny as I'll get out. <laughs> well, I love you so much. Thank you again. And to every day, and if this is a hard season for you, I am thinking about you and sending you all the love. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks, Steffi, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.